0: Hello and welcome to What Does the Bible Say? I'm your host Dr. Wayne Davis and this is a continuation of the series looking at New Testament passages that make some Christians believe that they are no longer permitted to or required to keep the commandments of God. People have different views but the predominant view among the Christian churches. is That Messiah fulfilled the commandments, Wayne, so we don't have to. So once I get saved by faith, I don't have to keep God's commandments anymore. And they base that on Matthew chapter 5 verse 17. So let's take a look at that verse. It says, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. They say, see, Wayne, he fulfilled the commandments. I don't need to. But let's break this verse down. First of all, it says, Do not think, which means don't even allow yourself to consider for the moment that Messiah, Jesus, came to destroy the law or the prophets. The law refers to the commandments, statutes, and judgments of God that we find in the Old Testament, especially in the book of Deuteronomy, but throughout the first five books of the Bible. It says, Or the prophets, Seeing that the prophets foreshadowed and prophesied the coming of Messiah and the things that he would do while he was here. He did not come to destroy the law or the prophets. He did not come to destroy but to fulfill. First thing you've got to know is that phrase, to destroy and to fulfill, is a Hebrew idiom. For that you've got to understand that the book of Matthew was not written in English. It was not written in Greek. It was originally written in Hebrew. For those of you that are screaming at your radio right now, no, no, it was written in Koine Greek. Let me read some historical quotations from people who were there at the time and immediately following. The ante father, as he's called, Papias, lived in the year 150 to 170 Common Era or A.D., And he wrote this, Matthew composed the words in the Hebrew dialect, and each translated as he was able. So Papias said Matthew wrote it in Hebrew, and then others translated it to various languages, like Koine Greek, so that it could go out to the world. Irenaeus, in 170 Common Era, or 170 AD, wrote, Matthew also issued a written gospel among the Hebrews, in their own dialect. Again, 2nd century, telling us that it was written in Hebrew. Origen in 2.10 wrote the first gospel is written according to Matthew, the same that was once a tax collector, but afterwards an apostle of Jesus Christ, who having published it for the Jewish believers, wrote it in Hebrew. Eusebius in 315, he was the official church historian for Constantine at the Council of Nicaea. So he is a Catholic author. And he writes Matthew also, having first proclaimed the gospel in Hebrew, when on the point of going also to the other nations, committed it to writing in his native tongue, and thus supplied the want of his presence to them by his writings. So Eusebius also says it was written in Hebrew. Epiphanius in 370 wrote, They, the Nazarenes, have the gospel according to Matthew quite complete in Hebrew, for this gospel is certainly still preserved among them as it was first written in Hebrew letters. Then Jerome, everybody knows Jerome from the Latin Vulgate, in 382 wrote, Matthew, who is also Levi, and from a tax collector, came to be an apostle first of all evangelists, composed a gospel of Christ in Judea in the Hebrew language and letters, for the benefit of those of the circumcision who had believed. Who translated into Greek is not sufficiently ascertained. He says, Matthew wrote it in Hebrew, and we really don't know who translated it to Greek, but somebody did. Goes on to say, furthermore, the Hebrew itself is preserved to this day in the library at Caesarea, which the martyr Pamphilus so diligently collected. I also was allowed by the Nazarenes, who used this volume in the Syrian city of Berea, to copy it, in which it is to be remarked that, wherever the evangelist makes use of the testimonies of the old scripture, he does not follow the authority of the 70 translators, that's talking about the Septuagint but that of the Hebrew. And then Eshodot in 850 said his, Matthew's book, was in existence in Caesarea of Palestine, and everyone acknowledges that he wrote it with his hands in Hebrew. So while in most seminaries they teach that the New Testament was written in Greek, we have the authority of the early church fathers from the 2nd through the 9th centuries that Matthew was absolutely written in Hebrew. Why is that important? Because there is an Hebrew idiom in Matthew chapter 5 verse 17. An idiom, not an idiot. If you're not familiar with what an idiom is, here's one in English. I came home late last night and my wife hit the roof. Somebody who doesn't know English would say, what, she's up putting tiles on the roof at the night? Why would she do that? For you and I know It actually means she got very angry. So an idiom means that the words don't mean exactly as they sound. So to destroy the law is to misinterpret it. And Messiah is telling us that the scribes and Pharisees are teaching the law incorrectly. They're teaching it as a way of salvation. It was never meant to be. And they're teaching people not to follow it, but rather to follow man-made commandments instead of God's commandments. We find that in Matthew chapter 15 and Mark chapter 7. Okay, to destroy is to misinterpret. So what does it mean to fulfill? To fulfill means, first of all, let me tell you it's the Greek word pleirosai, Greek word 4137 in the Strong's Concordance and the lexicons that are keyed to the Strong's Concordance. And it means to make fill Or to fill to the full. In other words, Messiah said, I didn't come to teach the law wrong. I came to teach it correctly. I came so that you would understand that the scribes and Pharisees are teaching it to you incorrectly. And I want to fill up your understanding. I want to look at a few other verses where this very same word is used. And see how it's translated so that we can get a better understanding of it. In the book of Matthew, we find in chapter 2, in verse 13 through 15, it says, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled. There's that same word used in Matthew 5.17. means that it was filled up to the top. That it might be fulfilled was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. No one would argue that when this prophecy was fulfilled, that meant that it was no longer important or that it was no longer to be studied or no longer to be understood. So that's one usage of the word here fulfilled. Here's another in Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 15. This is about the baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist. In verse 13 it says, Now then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permitted to be so now, for thus it is, for, it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. That word fulfill is the same as in Matthew chapter 5 verse 17. When Messiah was baptized, did all righteousness cease? It did not. And that's the very same word. So as the law and the prophets did not cease, neither does righteousness cease just because Messiah was baptized. Another use is in Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 47. Messiah is going to tell the parable of the dragnet. It says again, The kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet which was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind which... When it was full, they drew near to shore, and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but threw the bad away. That word full, in verse 48, is the very same word. The net was not done away with, the net was full of fish. It had reached its capacity, it was full of fish. By the same token, Messiah wants you to understand the law and the prophets completely and totally. Let's look at another example of the use of that same word. In Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Messiah is about to be arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. In verse 52 it says, But Jesus said to him, Put your sword in its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. So he tells Peter to put your sword away says, or do you think that I cannot now pray to my Father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? How then could the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus? That word fulfilled is the same word where we had pleurosi. It means that the scriptures are going to have their intent and meaning filled up so that we can clearly understand that Messiah had to die. If he had called 10,000 angels and defeated the armies that had come to get him, he would have lived longer, but what about you and I? He had to die that we might have eternal life. So the scriptures are fulfilled, that is, they're made full. We understand why Messiah had to die. Another example, let's go to the book of Acts in chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, will start in verse 26. Then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people lest they should be stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. That word filled in verse 28 is the same Greek word. So when they filled Jerusalem with their doctrine, it meant they taught it everywhere so that everyone could hear and understand. Jerusalem didn't end. The doctrine didn't end. People's understanding was made full so they would know exactly what this scripture is that Paul and those are teaching. Let's look at a couple more. In the book of Romans, chapter 15, verse 14. This is a very important one. It says, Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you are also full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Did you hear that word filled, filled with all knowledge? That is the same word they could have translated as fulfilled. And I won't say that the translators were in any way biased in favor of their doctrinal teachings. But it's the same word, filled with all knowledge. That's what this word means, to fill up our understanding until we understand the Law and the Prophets. If we continue to read in Matthew 5, as we will in a while, you'll notice Messiah teaches that the scribes and Pharisees say, Thou shalt not commit adultery. And Messiah says, But I tell you, if you look on a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. What he's trying to say is the scribes and Pharisees teach the letter of the law, but they don't teach the spirit of the law. So in the Pharisaical doctrine, if I want to commit adultery with a woman and I sneak over to her house thinking her husband's away, when I get there I find he's home. So I can't go through with my plans and go back to my house. The scribes and Pharisees say I'm innocent because I did not actually commit adultery. Messiah says no, I am guilty because while I was not able to complete the act, It was my heart's desire to it. I lusted after that woman. I tried to fulfill it. I simply was not able to. So in God's eyes, I'm as guilty of adultery as if I had committed the act. So he's trying to get us to understand what it is God wants from us. He wants our heart. He wants us to follow him. He wants us to desire him, to love him, to want to be obedient to him. So it's not just the letter I didn't actually commit the act but it's the spirit I sure tried to now in the same book Romans chapter 15 down in verse 19 we have the best example in all the New Testament scriptures of what this word really means in verse 19 it says in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem and about to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. You see those words, fully preached, that is the word. The same word in Matthew chapter 5 verse 17, is said, I came not to destroy, but to fulfill. It's translated perfectly in Romans 15, 19. So Messiah is saying, I came not to preach the law incorrectly, But I came to fully preach it so that you would know how to follow it. He didn't come to abolish it. He came to make us understand how we can be obedient to God. Now verse 18. So Matthew 5.18 we're going to go on. It says for assuredly. In Hebrew that is simply the word Amen. Amen means so be it. God said it. I believe it that ends it. For as surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away. Have heaven and earth passed away? No, they have not. If you're not sure, stand up and jump up and down, unless you're driving a car, in which case don't do that. But you're going to find this heaven and earth are still here. Will heaven and earth pass away? They do, but it's at the end of the millennial kingdom when all prophecy has been fulfilled. So verse 18, for surely I say to you till heaven and earth pass away, one jot, that's the Hebrew letter Yod, it looks like an apostrophe in our English language, it's the smallest of the 22 Hebrew letters, or one tittle, that's a piece of a letter that would cause you to confuse one Hebrew letter for another, like a dalet for a resh or a hay for a chet. If that doesn't mean anything to you, just think a tiny piece of a letter, That would cause me to confuse one for another. Will by no means pass from the law. From the Torah. From the commandments, statutes and judgments of God. Till all is fulfilled. And people go, aha, there's the same fulfilled as in verse 17. The answer is no, it's not. It's the same English word. But it's an entirely different Greek word. With an entirely different meaning. This word fulfilled is genitai. ...which is the Strong's word in Greek 1096... ...and it means, has come to pass. So this is something called Hebrew parallelism... ...where you say the same thing in a sentence or a paragraph... ...in two different ways, but they mean the same thing... ...is to help the audience understand clearly what the speaker is saying. So, till heaven and earth pass away is the same until all prophecy is fulfilled. So it's just two different ways of saying, until the millennial kingdom is done, and we're in the new heavens and the new earth, not a single letter, not a single piece of a letter, will pass from God's commandments, statutes, and judgments. Period. That's entirely different from saying, well, the law is done away with, and we don't need to follow it. It's just the opposite of that. And verse 19 reinforces it. It says, Whoever whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So whoever means Jew or Gentile, man or woman, black or white, young or old, makes no difference. Whoever therefore, therefore means because not a single letter or a single piece of a letter will pass from the Torah until heaven and earth pass away. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments, the word these refers back to the law. Whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, there's something I didn't do in verse 18 that I did in verse 17. And that is to give you an example of genitai, which is the fulfilled in verse 18, where we can understand better how it's used in scripture. I'm just going to give you one example. And that's from Matthew chapter 6, in what I call the Lord's Prayer. Some people call it the model prayer. It says in verse 9, So Matthew chapter 6 verse 9, In this manner therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That word done is from genitai. It's the same word. So when something is done and accomplished, it has been completed. That's the word genitai not plerosai. So let us go back to Matthew chapter 5 and talk a little bit more about verses 17 to 19 before we get to verse 20. In verse 17, Messiah, the Lord Jesus said, I didn't come to teach the commandment, statutes, and judgments of God incorrectly like the scribes and the Pharisees do. Instead, I came to teach it correctly so that you can understand what God requires of you. It makes me think of what Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's turn over there for a moment and take a look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 in verse 16 where Paul refers to the commandments, statues, and judgments of God that the New Testament calls the law, when he says all scripture, it's better translated every scripture. Scripture is that which came out of the mouth of God. It says in English is given by inspiration of God, but the Greek says it is God-breathed. It's what came out of the mouth of God. That's what constitutes scripture. And every commandment that God gave was breathed out of his own lips. So Paul here would describe it as scripture. All scripture is God breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So Paul says every commandment of God is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction and for instruction in righteousness now right now again people are yelling at the radio which well I can understand that Paul told us not to keep the law he didn't believe in it well no that's not what he taught nor is it what he said let's look at Acts chapter 24 verse 14 at the words that came out of Paul's own mouth he says but this I confess to you that according to the way, which they call a sect, so I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and the prophets. You heard me right. That's right from the scripture. I was taught all my life growing up that Paul told us that the law doesn't apply anymore. But Paul's own words are that he believes everything written in the law and the prophets. So let's go back to Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 to 20, and see how we can understand these words now. Verse 17, I came to teach them correctly. Verse 18, not a single letter or piece of a letter will pass from the law till we come to the new heavens and the new earth. And then in verse 19, Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. It goes on to then to say, But whoever does and teaches them, whoever keeps the commandments of God and teaches others to do so, shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. These are the words out of Messiah's own lips. If you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven... You keep the commandments of God and teach others to do so. And verse 20 really drives the point home. It's the same topic. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Oh, that's powerful. Unless your righteousness, the opposite of righteousness is lawlessness. Lawlessness is breaking the commandments of God. Righteousness is keeping them. He says, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. That used to terrify me, because I was taught growing up that the scribes and Pharisees kept the minutia of God's law down to the little bitty bits, when actually they did not keep it at all. If we go to Matthew chapter 15, you will find why Messiah was so unhappy with the scribes and Pharisees. Again, growing up, I was taught that Messiah hated the scribes and Pharisees because they kept God's commandments. That's not what the scripture here says. Go to Matthew chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Yeshua, Hang on, the screen just went blank, so let me put it back up there. Matthew chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, quote, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? Tradition of the elders are not God's commandments. They're the man-made commandments that the Pharisees taught instead of God's commandments. It says, for they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Yes, Matthew 15 and Mark chapter 7 is about a ceremonial hand washing called neti latia daim in Hebrew. It's not about eating unclean foods. So verse 3, he answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother. And he who curses his father or mother, let him be put to death. So Messiah here is quoting from God's commandments that we call the law. And it goes on in verse 5. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God, then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites. The word hypocrite just means actor. Someone who's pretending to be something they're not. They're pretending to be God's children, and they're not. He says, Well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth, and honor me with their lips. That is, they call the Lord, Lord. They say they worship God. They say he's our father. We're his children. He says, But their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching his doctrines, the commandments of men. There's the heart of the matter. The scribes and Pharisees taught don't keep God's commandments, keep our man-made doctrines instead. Okay now let's go put that back into Matthew chapter 5 verses 17 to 20. Verse 17 Messiah says, I came to correct the misteachings of the scribes and Pharisees. Until we come to the new heavens and new earth, not a single letter or single piece of a letter will pass from God's commandments, statutes, and judgments, period. Verse 19, if you want to be called great in the kingdom of heaven, keep and teach God's commandments. And in verse 20, if your righteousness is based on man-made commandments rather than keeping the commandments of God, then you are not on the path to the kingdom of heaven. So ladies and gentlemen, if you look at this in its original context, and what the words literally mean, Messiah is telling us, if you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, if you want to have eternal life, if you want to walk the streets of heaven with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then you need to be keeping the commandments of God. Not to be saved, but because you are. For he said, if you love me, keep my commandments.